Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. coffee and food and uh, it's really cool so yeah I, I kind of have these two parts of my life uh, in the church and in the community and then around the edges I, I kind of do a fair bit of poetry stuff and, and love poetry and uh, Sam my co-creator of the greatest work I've been a part of Noah are both back there um, and I uh, love those guys but um, yeah let me just backtrack a bit and, and let's just start with kind of a, a bit of a word of hello Shalom. Shalom is a, a, a Jewish greeting, a salutation, meaning we start our meeting with meaning. Shalom. Peace to you. But more than the peace we perceive when we think of ceasefires, this is a peace that rekindles fires in souls burnt out. It's a peace composed of wholeness, wellness, all things working together as they should be. Shalom. Why don't you say it to someone sitting next to you? Shalom. That's where we'll start. Meet each other. See each other. And yet, that's a pretty strange place to start. In a world of hearts held together by duct tape, string, or whatever else we could find around the house. It's a strange place to start when we bring heads that fill with fear. Heads filled with headlines, articles, news.com, Facebook feeds, screaming, you are wrong, you are backwards, you are stupid, an endless throng of opinions, backlash, bigotry, and all its similes simmering from keyboards that scream, judgment. Therapeutic to rant to, until the world rants too. And it's where so many of us start our day. And it's a lot to fit in your brain, which already hurts, because you work more hours than you get paid for, and you get paid less money than you need to save for, that house deposit you feel like you will never scrape up, or that mortgage you feel like you will never scrape down. We crawled out of our sleep to be here. Or maybe some of us rode another wave of insomnia, another night counting the minutes until daylight. But you crawled out of your chaos to be here. That's worth celebrating, right? The world didn't explode yet. The sky didn't fall down yet. And if you look closely, you can see this shalom breaking in through all the unexpected places, refusing to let this world drift from her original purpose. Shalom is a ruiner of the socially acceptable. Shalom is the respectable sitting with the detestable and realizing they sit in front of a mirror. Shalom is hands with broken bones writing hopeful poems about open homes. Shalom is peeling a label off someone, removing doll bludger, boat person, gay, straight or homeless and seeing Each face fully human. Shalom is a gathering of ragamuffins celebrating the gathering of ragamuffins. So let's start. 
We must start with shalom. Peace to you. Uh, I'm just going to pray and then uh, talk about creativity and stuff. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to uh, join with my brothers and sisters here tonight. Thank you that uh, we're, we're both representing the valley and churches in Narara Valley. And I thank you that these guys are partners in, in your work of bringing the kingdom to earth and bringing the kingdom to Narara, to the central coast. And I thank you that you're a creative God and the way that you work is, is not just practical, but it's, it's creative and it's bringing your kingdom through all sorts of just crazy creative ways. And I just pray for our time here tonight. I just invite you, Holy Spirit, welcome you here. And, and I pray that your shalom peace would be, would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So is anybody here who's ever said, I'm not creative? Put your hands up if you're that kind of person. Is anybody here right now who would say, I'm not really creative? No? You a couple of you need to put your hands up, otherwise I don't really have a purpose. Um, I've probably said that before. Uh, you know, I'm not as creative as some people. And uh, I don't really know why we say that, but it's something that a lot of people say. Even if you didn't put your hands up, I'm sure that you, you know a lot of people that you think of as more creative or, or less creative or not creative. And when we tend to think of creativity, we, we kind of think of artists, we think of poets, we think of painters, musicians. But we probably don't think of like accountants or plumbers. They're really creative. You know, they've got to fix like, toilets and stuff. Whoever invented the toilet, hugely creative. We probably don't think of, of chefs or, or uh, you know, politicians or, or teachers necessarily as creative. We have these boxes. And yet tonight I want to take you on a bit of a journey, talk about what I think creativity is, talk about this Christ that I follow who is deeply creative, and, and hopefully give you some tips for embracing the the creative identity that, that I believe God has for each of us. So, what is this creativity? How, how can I say that a plumber is creative in the same way that a poet or a painter or a musician is creative? Well, none of us actually create anything, right? God's the only one who created anything. He created the universe and everything in it. And the work of, of creativity that we engage with is actually just rearranging materials. So what does is, what is a musician rearrange? Musical notes. There's only 12 of them. Every song in the world is kind of composed from these 12 musical notes. What do painters rearrange? Call it out if you know the answer. Colours. Do you know how many primary colours there are? Three. There's only three primary colours and, and yet all of the artworks that are made with paint and colour in the world are kind of just rearranging these colours into a new pattern. Uh, how many of you guys speak language? Is everybody, you understand me? You get the whole language thing? So when you turn to somebody and you put a sentence together, that's actually a creative task. When your brain takes this collection of words, these materials that are in your, in your head, and puts them into a sentence that hasn't been said before, that's creative. That's the same work as the poet, the painter, the plumber who invented the toilet. I don't know if that was, maybe it was an inventor. But the person that did that, you know, they put materials together in a way that is really good for keeping societies clean and and healthy and good on them. Uh, Mathematicians put together numbers in new ways 
So you see what I'm saying here? Creativity is just about rearranging things. We all do that. And we all do that in you know, a range of ways from the way that we speak. Uh, to if you cook, that's rearranging flavors and, and materials to make something. So it's all kind of the same. We just think that some of it is, for some reason, more creative than, than other things. And yet for me, when I read in, in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, that God uh, created man in his own image, you know, I, I look at that and I see a God who created creators in the image of a creator. And you know, God didn't need to make this universe, and we don't need to keep making stuff. I sometimes think like there's enough music already made. Like we could, we could probably not get sick of all the music that's out there, and yet we just keep making stuff, and, and we just keep coming up with new, you know, devices and technology and architecture. And to me, it reveals this thing that that God doesn't need to create, but it's just a part of who He is, and it's what He places in us. And in Genesis, when God actually makes Adam, he says to him to cultivate the earth. And he's basically telling Adam to work. And it's before there's been any sin, it's before the fall, he says, like, cultivate, which means to bring culture forth from. So our word culture, the way that we, you know, our our civilizations, our culture, our art, our language, our practices, is this work of cultivating the garden, so to speak. And so to me, creativity is something that's very human. It's just a fundamental part of, of us. And it's something that's um, it's part of this great work of, of creativity that Adam was called to. And if, if you look at your Bible, it starts with a garden and it finishes with a city. So Christ completes the work of creation, of cultivating, of, of ordering that was started in Genesis. Are you with me? So never say that you're not creative. Okay, that's first sort of practical point for tonight, although not many of you put your hands up. Fair enough, you're at a church with an art studio, so you guys are obviously on the right track. And yet there is something about sort of higher levels of creativity. Like I get that it's helpful to say that this person is a bit more artistic or that work is a bit more creative because, you know, there's something about the difference between pop music and something that someone slaved, you know, 10,000 hours over creating, right? And I think, I'm not going to act like I've got all the answers here, but one thing that I think is, is what makes things more creative is that I said before, the creative act is basically arranging things. And I think higher levels of creativity involve arranging things that are less expected. It's putting this thing with this thing where no one would have thought to put those two things together before. Make sense? So let's use this whiteboard because I feel like I'm sort of obligated. But I also thought it'd be good to get a bit interactive tonight. So do you guys know what a metaphor is? Can somebody explain to me what a metaphor is? I want to be friends. Talk to me. Okay, easier easier than maybe explaining what a metaphor is. Can anybody uh, give me a metaphor? So metaphor, okay, English. Uh, I love English. So metaphor, an example of a metaphor is the ocean is glass. The ocean's not really glass, is it? And yet when I say the ocean is glass, you understand what I mean. The ocean's flat, it's transparent, 
It's, it's got this glass-like quality to it. I'm not saying the ocean is like glass. I'm just straight up saying the ocean is glass. And you don't have a problem with that because it's, it's an image that makes sense. But I've put together two images that don't necessarily go together. Can anybody think of a, another metaphor for the ocean? Give me something that's a bit more creative than glass, something that's more unexpected than the ocean is glass. The ocean is a tyrant. I like that. that's kind of you're going next level this is not just a metaphor this is personification you're giving the ocean a human quality it's awesome so a metaphor is is bringing together things that are you know it's mixing images and it's it's an essential tool of the the poet or the wordsmith and you know for me i love hip-hop music and, and hip-hop music is totally about bringing together the unexpected. Hip-hop was born out of, out of uh, you know, basically sampling guys that took old music and, and put two record players together and started to create kind of new loops and scratches. And, hey, you know, this, this turntable has been used previously just to play music, but now I'm going to use it to create a new kind of music. I'm going to turn the turntable into an instrument. It's pulling together two different concepts. Um, and, and if you think about anything creative, you think about you know a brilliant movie. Uh, we like it. Like I've got a mate who's just an absolute film. Like he loves film, but he hates it because every movie he watches, he's like, man, it wasn't really original. It just wasn't that original. I'm like, well, you know, the stuff that's been done before it works. But he loves it when a movie is like, man, I can't believe it finished like that. It was unexpected. It was a higher level of creativity. So. I believe that Christ is, is the ultimate example of creativity. I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but I just want to try this audience participation thing just a little bit more. <laughs> Can you think of any examples of, of Christ, of, of Jesus in the Gospels, that, that you kind of go, man, that was creative, what he did? What was that? Opening the eyes of the blind. Yes. How did he do that? Spat in the dirt. What the heck? I was actually going to read that. So you, you've actually jumped straight to it. But in, in John chapter 9, we have, um, you know, Jesus sees a blind man, a man who's been blind from birth. And, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. What? If Jesus is God, if you believe that Jesus is God incarnate, he doesn't have to do that. You know, like that's the only way that God provided for Jesus to heal this guy. Like, you know, just before Jesus goes down to earth, hey, if you, if you come across any blind guys, make some mud, you know, using your saliva. That's the way. It's really weird. It's, it's quite creative. So good example. Uh, any other things that you think of about the life of Jesus that were creative or that were these higher levels of unexpected things, taking this idea and mixing it with this one? He spoke in parables. Yep. So the way that he used language is always it's storytelling. It's it's yeah, totally. Uh, was there something else back here? Water to wine. Yeah, I like that combination, that rearrangement. 
was good. <laughs> Walking on water. Yeah, you don't do that. That's a very creative way to approach water. <laughs> so Jesus, he, he mixes these things together. And what I really love about it is, and I kind of, uh, I think I may have said something about it before, but um, there's these sort of two, two things that we think of. There's the practical and then there's creative, and people kind of separate them. And I kind of think that in terms of what, you know, what our lives are called to be, I think that a big part of following Christ is about justice. And justice seems pretty practical. Justice is like, man, that person needs water, give them some water. If they need food, give them some food. And yet, kind of culture, art, this other stuff often seems kind of like pointless. Like I was looking at the art, you know, just where Luke took me before and there was kind of like a, you know, a square which was predominantly green, had a little bit of some other colour. It's not doing anything for justice necessarily. But it was a great piece of art, but it was just, just kind of what we would call creative. And so we often kind of separate these two out. Thank you for that. Um, and yet... When Jesus heals somebody with, with mud, is there a justice element to that act? Yes, he's restoring sight to someone who was made to have sight. Is there a creative element to that? Yes, he's doing it with mud. Uh, when Jesus told parables, were they, were they just creative? Were they just stories to kind of, yeah, it's a nice story. No, they were stories that changed the way that people viewed the world. And if you change the way someone views the world, you change the way that they interact with the world and live their life. So Jesus brings these two things together, right in the center here. And I believe that this is where our call is as followers of Christ, is to learn to be deeply creative and deeply practical. They're not separate things. So, like I said before, I kind of think creativity is bringing together these unexpected things. Who would put that idea with that idea? Who would put legs with water that aren't doing freestyle? Um, you know, these kind of things. And when I think about Jesus, his very nature is, is the absolute greatest example you can possibly think of this. Because Jesus is infinite, eternal, God without need. You know, the God who created the whole universe. We're just a tiny speck of dust. And yet this God rearranged himself, combined himself, incarnated himself into human limitations, into a carpenter who got splinters, into someone who, who had nose hairs. These ideas are so far at different ends of the spectrum. And that to me is the, the greatest creative act that's ever happened, that kind of arrangement that you would have infinite, eternal, abstract God become comprehensible to us because he, he walked into human flesh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hugely creative. And, and then what Jesus did at the end of his life, you know, we talk about it all the time, like it's a normal thing, like Jesus died on the cross for, for humanity to save our sins. What a strange thing that that's how he, would, how he would achieve his purposes and that God could take a murder weapon, that God could take something horrendous, the most horrible punishment the Romans could come up with, and use that to lead to salvation and restored relationship. That just shows the, the creativity of God that he could use anything. 
I kind of talked a bit about hip-hop before, and what I love about hip-hop is that it was about guys who kind of didn't have much. You know, the, the people in, in the 70s in New York that kind of started this musical subculture, uh, they were poor, they came from, from uh, you know, different countries and backgrounds, and, and they experienced basically poverty, racism, discrimination in all forms, and yet they kind of went, well, we're going to use what we have, and we're going to flip something out of, out of nothing. We're going to use my mum's old turntable. I'm going to use a piece of cardboard to break dance on and do head spins on. I'm going to use this little bit of something and flip it into something huge. And that's what I see Jesus doing throughout his life. He, he takes a little bit of something, takes five fish and a couple of loaves, and he flips it into 5,000 people eating. He takes a little bit of, you know, uh, basically saying, hey, that woman who just gave like a, a coin essentially a very, very small amount of money. She gave more than anybody else here. She flipped something out of nothing. And then at the end of his life, we see something that's just the ultimate defeat flipped into the hope for the the universe and all humanity. Crazy. Crazy bringing things together, deeply creative. And I want to live, I want to live like this Jesus. I want to live like the one who healed a blind man with fingers muddied at tips, when he could have done the same thing with a single word from his lips. It seems poetic and abstract, and that's part of the appeal, but it's coupled with the fact that the healing was real. Like when the word became flesh, the flesh didn't just speak words. The word became an integrated member of human suburbs. No disjuncture between the words brought forth from his mouth and the way his physical existence acted them out. And I want to live like the one who turned water to wine when we tend to expect the opposite from the divine. Like he would rock up to the party, turn the wine into water, tell the DJ to go home and make sure everyone left at a sensible hour. That's tongue-in-cheek, but I want to live like the one who was quick on his feet, using humor when people tried to test his beliefs. Like, take the log out of your eye before pointing out specks, and it's easier for camels to get to heaven than your fat pockets and big checks, and pay your taxes, but you owe God at the highest rate possible. His image is engraved on you, so it's only logical. And the kingdom of heaven grows kind of like a weed. Because that's the kind of plant that grows from mustard seeds. You see, the voice of Jesus in the public domain showed people their world through a change in the frame. And I want to do the same. I grew up thinking that Jesus lived like a nice, sensible Christian. But now I read these stories and wonder what was I missing. Find myself asking if Jesus didn't live like most Christians do. How many of us Christians are living like Jesus, dude? Is that question sacrilege? What other labels can we attach to it? Am I an overpassionate activist playing the devil's advocate? Or maybe quite the opposite. Listen, I'm not on a mission to change theological positions, but I don't want to say I want to live like Jesus and then pretend like the image that is on me is Caesar's. I want to live like look like, smell like, and sound like the one who didn't consider equality with God something to hold tight, owing none of the debt but paying the whole price. I want to live like the Christ who doesn't fight for his own rights but relinquishes power to elevate low lives. 
You see, I want to stand up for Samaritan woman or paralyzed man or young child told there's no room in this land. I want to wrap my hand around the hand of Middle Eastern brother. I want to break bread in the company of displaced mother. I want to treat gay sister as more than a political position. I want to listen to the stories of stolen generations still living. When the word became flesh, the flesh didn't just speak words. The word became an integrated member of human suburbs. And I want to follow the word in making my words flesh. The gospel is still good news. But sometimes we forget. You see, it doesn't take a lot of creativity to just live like Caesar or like culture or like the world would tell us to live. And yet what Jesus came to to bring about and proclaim was an arrangement of life, a reordering of things which is just totally creative. That you would give away everything and find yourself living in abundance that you would spend yourself on others and find life there. The whole thing is just intensely, crazily creative. And that's where I want to live. So we've kind of talked a bit about what creativity is. It's just arranging things. It's ordering them. We've had a look at this creative Christ who, who rearranged and reordered things in the most unexpected way possible. And I mean, you see that. If you look at what, what people were expecting of the Messiah... He just totally flipped it. He wasn't what they expected. He was far more creative in in his bringing about of redemption. And what I want to leave with you, you guys with is what I think is the ultimate creative challenge for each of our lives is if we claim to be followers of Christ, then the creative act that, that is before us is to ask, what would it look like if, if Jesus was to live in my context? If this gospel was to be ordered and and to be integrated and created into my life in Narara Valley, doing whatever your job is, you know, what would it look like if Jesus was married to your spouse, had your kids, or lived your life? That's the creative challenge that is set before us. And you follow me that that's this creative thing of of how do you put that with that? How do you how do you take the message of the gospel? And apply it to your context. And I can't answer that question for you, but I believe that figuring that out is the great creative work of our lives. And for me, I do that with poetry. I do that with running events and, and managing a venue. And I do that with you know church preaching, etc. But for you, it's going to look totally different. And yet that's this creative act of finding... You know, we have the same Jesus. We have the same gospel, the same good news, the same salvation... And yet the body of Christ should live it out in this beautifully diverse, rich masterpiece, tapestry, orchestra, whatever you want to call it. Does that make sense? Does that excite you? Awesome. Can I uh, share one more poem with you guys and then I'll kind of finish up. If you want to have a discussion or ask questions, I'm kind of open to that sort of thing. But based on so far, I'm thinking I'll probably just finish with the poem. (laughs) But uh, this is a poem that's from the perspective of of the greatest artist, the greatest creator. And uh, I just want to encourage you to experience this however you need to. Maybe it's best to close your eyes or um, just get into your own zone. But this is the way that the artist views us. Before you had formed an impression of me, 
I had formed an impression of you. An artistic impression. An expression like reflection in complex sections like me. I am three. So I gave you mind, body, spirit in a tangle of physics and I breathed into dust to make you. Before you had formed an image of me, in my image I had formed your image to be. The synergy, the mystery, deceptive simplicity under the illusion of serendipity. Before you had mastered scientific hypothesis, I'd turned my hypothesis into a universe. And hypothetically, do you understand what you are worth? To be first loved by the one who is love. Before you had ever struck a chord on a guitar, I strung up the stars with a chord from my heart. I played the first improvisation solo. I was the first MC, the first to play middle C, the first to dip a toe into the depths of the sea. Before you traded your spark for a share in the dark, I reached into deep reservoirs and pulled human hearts out of clay jars. And I am the one who can soften or harden, who can punish or pardon, who could melt down the stars and turn them into a garden. So before you examine me like you're some kind of expert, why don't you flex first and see if your muscles can stretch earth? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the nations? I'll tell you. You were somewhere in my mind's eye. You were a blueprint in my eye sky. You were the twinkle of an idea long before you had arrived here. Before you composed or created, crafted clothes or debated, felt exposed or naked or enclosed or invaded. Before you dreamed or wrote or needed hope. Before you loved or shrugged or screamed or whispered. Before all things, I existed. And you are here because I chose you. Because I breathed life into your lungs. And I deemed light to flow from the sun. And if you hear nothing else, then hear this. Aspects of my being will remain to you mysterious. You don't need to understand in order to experience my love. Well, let me just pray for you guys and uh, thank you again for inviting me to be part of your creative month. And I want to encourage you to, to just continue in this great creative work of finding out what does it look like if Jesus lives in your context. That's the great artwork that we're all called to. And I just want to say as well, I, I feel particularly um, stoked to be able to come uh, as somebody who's from a church really close by and just want to say on behalf of our church that we're, we're partners in this, this work in the valley together. Um, but let me pray for you guys. Father God, I thank you so much that you are creative to your core and that you didn't need to make this universe. You didn't need to make any one of us and yet just, it just flows from your character. And I thank you for passing that trait on to humanity that we're not just robots and we're not just about achieving things with efficiency and practicality, but you have given us this, this creative bent to do things in fresh ways, to mix together unexpected ideas. 
And I thank you that that was ultimately done to a, a greater extent than ever before in Jesus, in you, infinite, almighty, abstract God, becoming tangible, taking on human flesh and moving into the neighborhood. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here that as we follow you, you would reveal to us what it looks like to, to live the creative act of incarnating the gospel in our street, in our home, in our context. Would you just bless these guys, this church, and their work of, uh, of working out their salvation and, and following you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit C3Church. Dot Narara, dot Narara.